Joining us for what a week, we have Delphine Governor from Perpetua. We have got George Glinos, uh, ETM Analytics, and David Shapiro from Sassman Securities. Thank you so much for your time. Let's uh, get started. Delphine, good to have you on the show with us. And uh, I think let's jump right in on um, Willie's pre-close update. They came out with one. So perhaps we start there and then Standard Bank, also with a voluntary trading update. Yeah, thanks, Bronwyn, and, and great to be here and see these um, grey beards. Um, so it's, um, yeah, I think it was interesting what's happening, obviously, with the month turning over and it's being the start of June. Um, a lot of the June year-end companies have kind of started doing these voluntary um, updates as they go into their close period. So Willie's was one, I think it was on Wednesday this week, um, and Standard Bank slightly earlier. Um, both of them kind of interestingly, um, and I think we've seen it with Mr. Price results last week, all of those kind of consumer type facing stocks or cyclical stocks, um, bouncing off almost the rebound. You know, there's still some recovery to come. So it's not quite full into recovery. It's really the rebound. So if we just focus on Willie's, Willie's is a little bit of a mixed bag, as you know, because um, about the Australian business and then the South African food business, which is, you know, super defensive um, and actually trading off an incredibly high base because they did really well last year. Um, and then the fashion business. But Australia, interestingly, is actually doing way better than we expected. It's an interesting function because, as you know, the Australians are not able to travel anywhere. So, or most of them. So they're all kind of stuck in the country. They had, um, <clears throat> excuse me, very good um, economic kind of support programs and stimulus programs. So they are, you know, have been paid and they continue to be employed. And so they're just really spending their money. So country roads doing well, um, I think better than expectations. And really uh, the focus there has, has just been on, on, um, on fixing the, the balance sheets of those businesses, which they did last year. Um, and then, back, you know, in South Africa, I think the food business continues to, to just roar. It's a fantastic franchise. Um, and I think they, interestingly, we've seen quite a lot of um, threats of competition coming through with obviously, you know, checkers and pick and pay trying to do it. I think what Willie's Food has, which is quite unique, probably, you know, globally, is that it's just got this incredibly kind of clear DNA about what it, what it represents. And it's, you know, it's unequivocal. I've always found it perplexing that the DNA they have in their food business has not been able to translate with that same consistency to their fashion business. It's, it's almost, you know, uncanny that the fashion business and the, they call it FBH, fashion, beauty and home, um, is so erratic for the 20 years that I've looked at it. Um, but yeah, so that business is a recovery business. Um, so let's, and, let's start and, with Woolies and we'll come back to mm, Standard Bank. Sure. Uh, and, and George, we come into the economic data in a moment. But David, before we, we leave Woolies, uh, you know, Delphine there saying that she's been looking at the stock for, for 20 years um, and there, there's a lot to underpin the, the Woolies opportunity. Where do you stand with mm. Woolies? You know, when Delphine says uh, they've got the DNA in their food, they used to have it in their clothing as well. They lost it. And uh, that can come back fast. If they can adapt their fashion to changes that we are seeing now, you know, to the active wear away from those uh, old, uh, you know, tires and uh, kind of trenery look or whatever you call it, or the uh, country road look, or uh, I, I, I don't know how to describe it in the woman's sense. But I mean, if they can move to, to much more fashionable, and, and I really mean at the edge of fashion, um, um, you know, what people are moving today, you know, what active type wear that you're seeing in Under Armour or in Lululemon and those, they can swing it around fast. 
So I think they've just got that side so badly. And Bagatini comes from a good background. If you look at Levi's, Levi's are, are a new brand again, you know, the oldest brand, but they're regenerating. So hopefully they can get the clothing right here and, and you know, make big strides in recovery. So let's watch. Let's see the next range. And you mentioned Roy Bagatini. Is he the mm. man for the job, Delphine? I mean, you know, give me yeah, a sense I mean, of great. how you feel. Yeah, great question. I mean, I think he's been in the job now just over a year. Quite a tricky year to have started. I think he started in the middle of Feb, literally two or three weeks before kind of everything changed in the world as we knew it. Um, you know, early signs, what, what a new CEO brings is that they bring no baggage to past decisions. So they almost have this freedom and they're liberated from whatever past bad decisions, perhaps, which have turned out to be bad, have been made. Classic example was um, they're culling the food business in Australia, which has cost him a whole, I don't know, I, we thought it was actually a really bad idea. It went ahead, and now that he's just culling it. Um, so he's making really, you know, clear, decisive decisions, which perhaps, um, you know, the previous management who would have been much more emotionally attached to decisions would not have been able to do. So I think what's the, the, the messaging is clear. Um, the strategy changes, you know, as, as David mentioned, are, are clear that, you know, with a strategic idea of uh, reducing ranges, going much more casual, much more athleisure, reducing formalization. Now the, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, which is execution. And uh, let's talk about execution. Um, I, I don't think that's a positive term to use, George, in the jobs space here in South Africa. Uh, jobs across the board are just falling off the wagon. And uh, I mean, the alarming stat, and you're going to unpack these numbers for us, but not the stat, the alarming number that's been doing the rounds is that youth unemployment is sitting somewhere at 63% mm -hmm. in South Africa. So, so take us through... Uh, your unpack and uh, bring some understanding to us as lay people. So look, the first thing to say, Bronwyn, is that um, labor market stats tend to be a bit of a lagging indicator. So, you know, we're still seeing some of the effects of last year coming coming through these numbers. And, and companies that are concerned about uh, future prospects in the country or concerned about the lack of, of structural and fiscal reforms, uh, they're going to be a little gun shy of investing huge amounts of capital into an economy where the line of sight to be quite honest with you is still not particularly clear so uh, there's there's a lot of uh, dry gunpowder uh, if i can put it there if i can put it that way it's it's being deployed in odd sort of ways um and, and perhaps and perhaps david and and delphine can can speak to this but you know things like buybacks and, and whatnot um, there's, there's capital that I think can be deployed and, and could be deployed a lot more effectively, but it's sitting on the sidelines right now. And, and so, the, you know, the bulk of the data that I saw this week, and it wasn't, uh, unemployment was probably the, the low point, but um, the, the other data that we saw, whether it be the, the standard bank PMI, which is more of a, a countrywide um, indicator or the, the manufacturing PMI or, yeah, I, if you unpack that data, for the most part, it's showing that things are recovering. Uh, the second half of this year is probably going to be quite a lot stronger than the first. I mean, nothing new in that. I think everybody sees that. And 2022 is, I think, going to be a build on that. But it's sluggish. It's sluggish. And, and the, the capital deployment that we would like to see uh, is just not materializing. You know, these, these efforts on the part of Ramaphosa and whatnot to get all of this uh, fixed investment into the country, we don't see any signs of it in the numbers. Got to tell you, it's not there. 
So, so South African corporates are just not investing in um, machinery and equipment in the way that we'd like to see. The gross fixed capital formation numbers for the most part are, are still negative uh, in terms of growth rates. So they, they're under pressure. Um, and until such time as we see that turnaround, it, it's going to be a hard slog up. But at least it's an up. Um, you know, at least we're looking forward to some, some improved times going, uh, going forward. Um, the stock market is, is pricing that in. It's, it's looking a lot healthier than it did. Uh, for, you know, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't believe the way that it bounced back last year. At least now we're getting some of the, the catch-up of underlying fundamentals towards what we saw getting priced into equities. And, and, and you know, I'll be hopeful for and, and thankful for that. So I see that optimism. And, and again, you know, we are coming off a, a low base. But David, I also heard Andre Dureta, the CEO of Eskom, in a conversation with Mandy, Mandy Wiener on 702 at lunchtime yesterday. And uh, I mean, that poor man, you know, seriously. But when she said, you know, this, this exacerbated load shedding scenario that we're seeing in the country, is it poor management? Is it bad execution? Uh, she, he was saying, all of, all of the above, yes. And we desperately need additional capacity to come on board as a country. That was not a man saying, you know, there's upside to where we are from an Eskom. It, it really sounded, the undertone there was, this thing is falling over. Now, I don't know whether I just woke up on the wrong side of bed this morning, but David, weigh in. I don't know if you had coming after. This has been going on for I don't know, 10, 12, 13, 15 years. I don't know how many years uh, we've been going on with load shedding. And uh, don't underestimate the impact it has on a business. It's, it's very, very severe. Um, I, remember, I, I remember going down Val Reefs where they told me that Val Reefs, if you remember that, Delphine and George, I hope you remember Val Reefs. But I mean, that was a very large mine, mine down, where, down in Clarkstorp. Kronstadt, Kronstadt, and uh, not forgotten. <laughs> but, but anyway, it, it consumed as much electricity as Johannesburg. So that gives you an idea of how industry consumes electricity as opposed to a city. I think so, it is a drag, and even the Reserve Bank mentioned that it's a drag. Uh, you know, the other point is, I try and explain unemployment. I'm saying out of every 10 working people, uh, three haven't got jobs, but they still have to be housed, clothed, fed, educated. Their children have to be educated. Who's going to pay that? The other seven. That is a drag on future growth. You know, in other words, you're taking away from those seven and giving it to those three, and therefore it's a drag on reinvestment and investment, uh, you know, of, of, of an economy. But I just want to work on, on what George said. I go through his results religiously. And I always look at what management says. And I try to find clues as to what they say. And it's challenging. Well-positioned. You know, uh, all these words that mean nothing. They don't say anything. They are cautious, exactly as uh, George has been pointing out. So there still is a lot of caution. The one area that seems to be working a little is on the mining side. Those companies, like when you read Barla World, or when you read, I could use that for spa and mediclinic as well, but that's mainly because they've got offshore businesses. So I think that's, you know, it's, it, it's still tough out there. But and, the mining, uh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of mining's hmm. momentum is commodity prices. 
Um, so Delphine, weigh in here. Yeah. No, um, so it's very interesting. I think it's, uh, for me, the interesting things are, um, one, as investors, we are a strange breed because on one hand, we are raised to be kind of skeptical. We're not deeply cynical, but we are, we have to be skeptical about kind of everything. But on the other hand, our job's all about the future. So we have to have this like optimism that things, you know, hopefully get better. So there's this like, you know, double edge of this, of this coin or two sides of this coin. But the point is that, um, so in, in, in facing the reality, which is what it is, and I think the, what what we're seeing in companies um, and and their lack of investment is, you know, found you know the foundation of it is a lack of confidence, a lack of confidence that things are going to improve, that they can invest this money and they'll get a return. Um, and and it's, and as we know well, which I think you've probably discussed in this program, you know, for a long time, it's just you know the same point on lack of execution, on policy certainty, etc. In the country, um, and so in that environment, you know, no pragmatic business person is going to want to invest, you know, into a future that they can't have a visit, you know, visible certainty over. Um, but at the same time, there are some there are some elements of, of optimism. And I mean, I think if you look at the renewable program that's you know currently underway, so there's uh, round five coming. There's there's been the emergency procurement round. So it's it's not as and in fact the first few rounds of that renewable program is probably one of the best examples of the renewable energy program of you know private public you know partnership. And if if us as um, South African citizens, as investors, as kind of trapped capital that is in this country are going to develop any form of hopefulness and optimism, I think the model has to be one of a, part, of a partnership. Now, it takes two people to be in this partnership, you know, obviously. Um, we're incredibly good as South Africans um, about diagnosing our problems. Um, mm -hmm. We're less good at trying to work out, even us as, as, as business owners and leaders, um, as about how to engage ourselves in the solutions. We kind of think the solutions are going to find their way to us, but they're actually not going to. We probably have to go to a table. Um, yeah, so I, for me, I really am trying to look at it. And, and, and the last point, I mean, one of David's comments, I, I'm very similar. I kind of always look to these little clues from management because sometimes it's more the subconscious rather than what they consciously say that, that, is, that you're looking for. Um, I tend to find at extremes, they're their worst contraindicator. When things are going incredibly well, management can never see that they would go down again. You know, now you only hear the best of the best coming out of, you know, the platinum companies, you know, there's no issue on supply, no stuff. And then on the flip side, when things are going really badly, um, they can't imagine that they'd improve. Um, so that's often at those extreme points, you know, they are in the height of their own, you know, that, that emotion. Um, and, and I guess that's where, why we have jobs, because our jobs are trying to develop an insight for where their own sentiment uh, could be excessively pessimistic or excessively, you know, optimistic. George, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, David said that, you know, there is a, there is a hint of caution in, in what you were looking at, but you, you seem a little bit more optimistic than usual to me. Is that, am I calling it correctly? You know, it's a Friday, Bruno, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of depressing people with load-shedding stories and whatnot going into a weekend. You know, it's, I think it's exactly what Delphine was saying. I mean, you know, we live in this, we live in this reality. We, you've got to make the most of it. I mean, that's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I, I do present to, to different boards and I, I sit and I, I watch uh, the struggle that, and it's, it's a real struggle of, of people trying to, to make constructive decisions while still looking after their shareholders. And it's not an easy thing to do in an environment which uh, doesn't allow you to, 
to do what you want to do. Um, and I think it, it goes to the point, uh, again, just touching on something Delphine said, I mean, she's, she's talking about, you know, private business needs to get around the table. I think private business is, is more than willing to do that. Uh, my, my biggest frustration, and it has been for a long, long time, um, is, is that government stands in the way, and it stands in the way in, in varying degrees and, and in various ways. Um, in varying degrees, because you know, you've got on the one hand policies that kind of shoot us in the foot with their lack of clarity, things like your radical economic transformations and, and expropriation without compensation, just unnecessary own goals that could have been handled so much better, um, all the way through to the way that PE just has not delivered on what it was supposed to deliver. Um, and across to the fact that government just for some reason, and it's an ideological one within the ANC, feels that it has to be in control of all levers of the South African economy. They want to be able to pull levers to generate this outcome and generate that outcome and you know, be seen to be doing something. And sometimes the best thing for a government to do is to actually do nothing and just get out of the way. Um, and I would love to see that. So, you know, there's, there are lots of solutions for South Africa, but they ideologically opposed to, to um, you know, the way that government's thinking. That being said, I have seen some signs recently, and it's been over the past year or so, and this is the beauty of a crisis. Sometimes a crisis pushes you to focus your mind on the things that are important and that are pragmatically possible. And I'm, I'm beginning to see some early signs of that changing on the political and the policy side of things. And I'm not referring to the corruption element. I'm, I'm talking about actual policy changes, which, you know, there's a glimmer of, of hope there, which I'm hanging on to for the time being, because if we do head down that road, uh, there's a lot of possibilities that spring up. Uh, Delphine was talking about the green energy stuff. Absolutely. I mean, just, just free it up. Let private investors invest into this thing. Let, let, let's just, let's get out of the way and just let the private sector try and manage itself through this crisis to be a hell of a lot better than, 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 the, far, than the four of us sitting around this <laughs> Zoom conversation discussing, you know, how we're going to make it through this, this, Zoom, this call without being load shared. All right, so, so we're going to take that glimmer of hope into the weekend. I like it, George Guinos. Let's get on the bandwagon. We're all driving the right momentum here. David Shapiro, uh, the Standard Bank uh, voluntary trading update, and mm -hmm. then Delphine will come mm -hmm. in. She's had her eye on that uh, extensively. Yeah, Bronwyn, I always look at the top line. You know, I'm an accountant, so I know how to handle the bottom line. You know, whatever comes below. But if you're not selling anything, it's very difficult to to make a profit. You know, you, there's only an extent that you can actually um, increase the efficiencies of a business and cut costs and everything. And I think that's still a concern with me. That and and we heard it from uh, from George. Companies are not spending, and until such time as they spend, we're seeing it in America. In America, businesses are refocusing their whole businesses. Going into IT, you can see the capex there, the capital expenditure uh, pick up their business spending is picking up dramatically, which we haven't seen. You know, we need the same thing here. And 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 taking from both George and uh, Delphine, you know, businessmen here, we 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 produce some brilliant businessmen, and if we can just create, you know, if we can just go ahead and create. Uh, like we have done in the past, things can come right, but we need that freedom. But I'm saying that only when that happens will it translate into top line 
in the banks and other service businesses. So for the meantime, I'm what, what uh, Delphine said, I'm one of those skeptics. Delphine, <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, to, to echo some of, of David's comments is that, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, banks are kind of, they, they, they're in the trickle down. They, you know, we have this transmission mechanism in our economy. And so if the transmission mechanism is working and banks play obviously a critical role. And interestingly, you know, last year when things hit the wall, one of the first things the Reserve Bank told the banks, the commercial banks is, please don't, you know, uh, you know, stop lending. You know, you have to keep the taps going because you're going to have to keep the economies going. If you don't provide facilities, extensions, covenant waivers to your companies, you're going to basically crumble, you know, the, and, uh, this economy. So um, they play a critical role. What we're seeing is that, so they did a good role in terms of keeping, you know, things going so that we didn't, you know, all the companies didn't fall over and could get through just from a liquidity perspective. Um, now, obviously, it's just about actual underlying growth. And we're not seeing enough of that yet. So, you know, growing in terms of, you know, advances, people borrowing, um, even though interest rates are at kind of all-time lows, you know, no better time if you want to buy a house uh, to, to be borrowing right now, you probably get the best, you know, rate. Um, and then transactional activities is picking up. So that kind of that other part of things. Um, but these results are really just driven by what David said, the kind of unsustainable component, which is in management's control, but not growth, which is cutting costs, um, you know, provisions, bad debts not being as, as high as they were last year for obvious reasons. But what we really need to see, and it's something David touched on as well, is just innovation. So these big banks, and perhaps it's something, you know, it's we've got this interesting dichotomy in our economies that the very large businesses um, have always been able to, let's put this, um, how do we put this? Just, they've always been able to get the benefits of these very concentrated sectors um, where few people, you know, few companies dominate. Um, there's been massive opportunity, by the way, in the entrepreneurs outside the big businesses who are all, you know, doing incredibly well. But the big businesses can tend to get a little bit stale, a little bit complacent. And that's why Capitex of the world come up, you know, well done to them, because the incumbents thought that, you know, it was not possible to change the way things are. That's the whole era of disruption. But I guess what I, I, I do hope we should see more of is that we should see, and, and David touched on it, we should see more acceleration and a willingness to do things differently quicker um, because I think for a long time South African management in, in the large corporate listed space have just benefited from being able to have these concentrated markets high returns never really had to put too much risk in it just had to kind of take along um, and COVID showed us last year was that actually they've had to make decisions in weeks that they would have usually taken years and if you didn't um, you're going to be properly left behind because some of these things are not just cyclical they, they're structural changes they just came super fast well, we are almost out of time. I'm going to go around the room, our virtual room, of course, <laughs> on getting closing comments. And you've got about a minute each. George Glinos, we're hanging on to that glimmer of hope. Take us into the weekend from an economic perspective. Build on that glimmer. All right. Well, we, we've got near record trade surpluses. Um, that's helping Iran remain relatively strong. Uh, we've got um, terms of trade, which are the strongest in some 11 years at the moment. Again, part of the same narrative. So at least one of the industries in, in SA is doing really well, and that does have spillover into, into the rest of the economy. Tax, uh, tax numbers have improved beyond expectations, so that's bought South Africa a little bit more time to implement reforms and, and generally speaking, the data um, is, is pointing towards 
a cyclical upswing that I think lasts for a good two to three years. So from that perspective, things are looking uh, a lot better. Um, we could be accelerating faster, but you know, let's just uh, be thankful that we're on the up and that the vaccine rollout has finally begun and, and, and look forward to better times in the second half this year. David Shapiro, you're up, sir. Oh, well, I'm the only one who probably qualifies for a vaccine. So, <laughs> <laughs> but from my point of view and, and focusing on vaccine, uh, America is almost back to normal. Um, Australia, normal. Even though they put a barrier around themselves and not letting anybody out or in. So we are getting over the pandemic. And from a global point of view, that's a very positive sign. Yes, we're going to lag. But at least, you know, this is the beginning of the end kind of thing. So, you know, from my point of view, this is, you know, this is the positive that we're getting. And you're seeing it in, in a number of countries as of the Northern Hemisphere as they go into summer. So I think by the end of the year, I think there's going to be a whole different perspective on what we discuss and where we see ourselves. Kelsey. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, from a glimmer of hope perspective, I think, uh, you know, George and David have done a good job in painting the, the, the kind of improving macro environment that we now find ourselves in, in which the companies that we as investors invest in are operating. So what that means, and, and so every now and then, in fact, probably once every decade, you kind of get these resets and the whole market kind of corrects. Um, people can't, don't have a lot of visibility about where things are going. You can look for markers, but it means you actually have, um, you can invest in kind of a future story that has a probability of actually improving at quite a low, lowish price and a low valuation. So actually, this is a great time to be invested in the market. This is a great time to be in, in equities. Um, you, you, you get this opportunity every now and then to go find those good risk-adjusted returns, and this is now. Um, ironically, even bonds, South African bonds are offering good value. So yeah, I think it's a good time to be invested and we should take the opportunity because they don't come around that, that very often. Well, you've been watching What A Week and Delphine Govender from Perpetua. Thank you so much for your time. George Guinas, as always, a pleasure. ETM Analytics and uh, David Shapiro, Sassman Securities. Good to see a smile on your face. We'll chat, we'll chat again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great, everybody. Much appreciated uh, for your time. Cool. Thank you. No, sh no load shedding, you see. Yeah, we, we managed to keep the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Take yes, care, bye. everyone. Have a great week. Uh, Bye-bye. You saved you some birds, yeah. yeah. <laughs> David, I've got a tiny generator. It's tiny, tiny, uh, tiny. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. <laughs> One of those like little tin, tin, you know, kilowatts or something. I don't know what that yeah, is. No, no, I'm, I'm joking. I just, it's a whole area. I just say, when you, you know, there's Norwich. What, what's it, Norwich? Yeah. Norwich Hall up the road there. And they've got this massive thing that spews out stuff. Oh, anyway. <laughs> and listen, so uh, Williams, uh, he keeps sending me messages after he sees the shows deployed. Going, please don't be angry. I, I'm still a nomad. I don't know where I'm living. I, I, I promise and you I'll get my Wi-Fi. A shame, man. And I speak to him. I mean, we speak during the week. Mm. What about uh, Mia? Is she still out of coaching? She, she's gone? back next week. She's still in Portugal. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, this is a major thing for them. They are like... They're obviously relocating. They want that Euro passport. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but she's back next week. She wanted to send, she yeah. sent all her love. She said she is missing yeah. you. 
And she's tried about three times to get her, her platform up. And she's going like, I have to see, uh, I have to put it up. And then it defaults down. She's like, oh, I just can't do it. So next week she's back. Okay. Uh, okay. Thanks, man. Cheers. Bye-bye.